Welcome to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today. We're taking your calls, 410-662-8780. We're happy to hear from you via email, foremanwolf at wypr.org. And Cindy, on yes. this fine day, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a very dangerous question. Oh, I can't wait. And I'll ask the same question <laughs> to all of our listeners. You know, what is the best thing you ever made? Oh. What's the best dish? Okay. That's fun. From your perspective and from the perspective of observers, you know, that's I think that's for anyone who seriously cooks. Did you say usurpers? Observers. <laughs> that's this okay. English. I'm trying it out. <laughs> All right. Okay. I like out. that from both perspectives. Yes. What, what we think we cook well and what other people it's, think we cook exactly well. Exactly right. right. I mean, sure. the first time, like the first time you ever got reviewed by a critic. Oh. I'm yes. sure that there's something I remember you were that like, vividly. I made this. It was beautiful. And the person was like, mm, <laughs> yeah, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, right? like, oh, really? You're, you're killing me. You know, it's a dagger it's, through I, my I heart. Know, I know from putting things on menus, it's like, <laughs> oh, really? I, I, I sent that plate to that person. Right. It was magical. And they said, Pfft. right. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you can make that sound on the radio, but I just All did. All right. Yep. Yep. So, um, so that, but listeners, please, if you want to join in, um, brag a little bit. Give us a call, 410-662-8780. What is the best thing you ever made? Mm. What do you think the best thing is you ever made? And what got your greatest crowd response, your greatest audience response? Mm. So what do you think? It's funny. I I immediately think of my mother and what the greatest thing is she ever made, quite frankly, because that's where food started for me, obviously, all all of us probably, our parents. And... um, Oh, my gosh. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one of my very favorite, and I think everybody in our family, was her uh, chicken pot pie. Oh, I mean, we just all wanted that so badly our, our whole childhood. And, you know, that, that the style that she makes isn't isn't actually a pie. It's uh, She makes her own dough and rolls it out and cuts it with one of those little pinwheel things and makes her own chicken stock and basically cuts the dough thin and in squares and drops it in the chicken stock and uh, and then she pulls the meat and um, and then that goes in at the end and oh my gosh I mean what a heartwarming you know well, wonderful fun dish for little kids I mean there's nothing scary it, it, in there it's you chick- know it's chicken pot pie that's almost more like chicken and chicken and dumplings or chicken soup almost yeah I mean it's it really yeah it's very brothy um, it always gets a little tiny bit viscous because of the flour from the pot uh, the, the, the dough that she makes but it's basically pasta and chicken broth with chicken meat in it. I mean, it's 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 just funny how many cultures prepare something that's so similar to that. And of course, that's Pennsylvania Dutch. From um, my parents are from York uh, County, so Pennsylvania. So um, you know, all of her cooking originates with that traditional cooking. But, but of that clearly, uh, clearly, uh, candidate number one. You've avoided my question <laughs> and try to turn it sideways. Well, and if you want to join in and be critical of, of, of Cindy's evasion no. of the question, <laughs> it's 410-662-8780. Or feel free to give me grief about giving her grief. Oh, it's, um, but we want to know what's the best thing well, that you well, think you ever made. I, I, you know that you, you surprised me with that question. And, of course, I've been cooking I've been cooking professionally since I was 19 years old, and I am 57, and um, that's a long time to be cooking. That's a lot of people that I've cooked for, 
And I mean, I'm going to evade it again because then I'm going to say the next best thing I can remember someone cooking is Marcelo Vasquez and my chef in Charleston. And I will never forget the time uh, I went to his restaurant. I know he's totally shaking his head. <laughs> I'm not doing this correctly. Shaping, shaking it deeply. <laughs> but I just keep thinking of all the food that I've had that I think was like so wonderful in the in that moment of. Oh my gosh, this is so good. He, did, he used to do steak tartare table side at, at his restaurant in Charleston. All right, yes, I will answer the question. What? No, please, please <laughs> go on about the steak tartare. Please continue to avoid my question. Uh, What's the greatest thing you ever cooked? All right, I don't know. Oh, it's hard to answer. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I think, I don't know, Tony. Um, I know one of the greatest experiences in cooking for me was the first time I actually made foie gras. And of course, you know, that's, expensive and something very special to make and not everyone gets to have that experience but I will never forget how scared I was because no one was there to teach me oh you were completely weirded out yeah well I mean I've been a chef I've like been what do I do with these veins <laughs> right I've been an executive <laughs> chef since I was 25 years old I, I really haven't had anyone teaching me since then I've had to teach myself everything since then quite frankly and those were the days before the internet and all these resources I mean you know obviously you could read about things in books and that's what I have always done but um yeah I mean, that and I think I think probably one of the very first times I made a veal dish at, at a restaurant we used to uh, have called Savannah, um, it was a veal tenderloin, and I know you remember this. Um, it was a combination of mushrooms, and it was shiitakes and and button mushrooms. And what I would do when I, I would I would they were medallions of veal, so we would, we would sear the the veal in the pan, get nice good color on the outside, good caramelization, season it lightly with salt, and um, near the end of the cooking process. And that was when we did full portions. So that would have been like an eight ounce piece of veal tenderloin, which is quite a nice piece of meat now to even think about with the way the pricing is, and. Um, I would add the shiitakes and the button mushrooms to the pan and and caramel cook them to the point of caramelization and then deglaze that pan with a little bit of fresh lime juice and finish with a really great reduced chicken and veal sauce uh, stock reduction and then finish with just a little bit of cold butter. It's called monte au beurre. It means to lift with butter. And the action of adding uh, pieces of cold butter to a hot sauce, you have to swirl it in. You do not want the butter to separate. It will actually help to uh, make the sauce even more viscous and will give it shine and will just, you know, round out those rough edges of any sauce, especially when you've done something like add acid to something. And um, I mean, I just remember people went crazy for that dish. So I think that's probably from years ago, one of the things that I made that I was very proud of, um, you know, to come up to date. Um, more recently, I, I've been inspired by a dish I had probably four or five years ago in France that out one of our favorite restaurants, which is Beaugravier, which we talk about all the time because I can't, we can't help it, quite frankly. And I'm longing for it so much, I can't stand it. I just want to go there so badly. Um, <clears throat> but Guy Julien, I was staying there with two of my my very good friends, and or I was, we were eating there with with two of my very good friends who were actually staying at their small hotel. And I had gone to have breakfast with them in the morning, and um, the farmer was bringing in chanterelles. Um, in and or Girol, as you would probably call them, and um, the little babies in the Girol, right? Yeah. And he, uh, when I saw the Girol came come in, I mean, Tony, you know how that kitchen is. You know, it's very accessible. You know, you can see Chef. He's got a glass uh, door to the outside, so you can see him. It's a courtyard area. It's in a very. Um, uh, it's not even a town. It's, I mean, his restaurant's along the side of the road. It's a very small village in France, in Mondragon. And um, I saw Chef, and I'm like, Chef, what are you going to do with those? And he was like, oh, I'm going to make a tart with them. So I had it that night, and um, 
it, it truly was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. And I ended up eating it. We ate there five nights in a row. And I every day, all three of us would say, we're not going to have that tart tonight. We're going to have something different. Every night, we all had that tart again. So now I make it. And um, it's really, really fabulous. So that's one of my favorite things I've ever made. It's and it gets one. a very good response. It's a good one. Yeah, it gets a very good response. I got response. a good response from you if you ordered it five times in a row. <laughs> the, uh, let's talk to Greg in Bel Air. Let's hear what, what Greg is uh, crowing about today. Hi, Greg. Hey, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on. So the, the dish that I'm actually currently cooking, which is kind of coincidental, it's a Korean <laughs> braised chicken, and the, the title of the dish in Korean is called Jim Duck. Um, I had this when I traveled overseas when I was living, working there, mm. and I just absolutely could not find this in the States, so I had to kind of scrounge around online to find a really good, solid recipe. But uh, the chicken is braised in uh, soy sauce, oyster sauce, and rice syrup, and wow. then inside the mix is uh, vegetables. So you have carrot, potato, hot pepper, onion, uh, glass noodles, so a whole bunch of stuff, and you have this really great braise. And then uh, when you have it in the restaurant, usually they top it with a disc of rice. So the rice is like really crunchy. And you just break up that big disc of rice and kind of sop up all the uh, all the really good braising liquid. So re- really, really delicious. And it's funny because I'm cooking it right now as we speak. Oh, that sounds so, so good, quick, Greg. Quick question, Greg. What, yep. did, what did you drink with it in Korea? And what are you going to drink with it today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the traditional drink of choice is, is obviously uh, soju there. Uh, for this thing, since it's a little spicy, I I tend to lean towards the sweeter white wine, so probably a reason would go with it. If not, if I just have an IPA, I think that'll go with it well because of the spice. Yeah, that make, that makes sense. Yeah, I would, I would say a, a white wine from Alsace with good body would probably do it if you're chasing sure, sure. wine for it. Well, thanks, Greg. Yeah, thanks so much. Sounds great. That's great. Let's talk to uh, Deborah in Kenneth Square. Deborah, hey. how are you? Hi, Deborah. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? Yes. Really well. Great. So what's the best thing you ever cooked? Well, I continue to the state to make a Georges Blanc. I'm sure you know who he is. Absolutely. Um, cabbage stuffed with salmon that has a beautiful beurre blanc. And if you're feeling rich, you can add caviar to it at the end. It's absolutely oh. the best. I um, had a client. I was the private chef in my career. I had a client who found this recipe and I started making it, and then all his guests wanted it. So I continued to make it over the years. It's the most beautiful dish and simple. I mean, it's not easy to make, but it's, you know, got a court bouillon that you poach the um, cabbage in, and then you make the sauce. So it's lovely. <laughs> the hard part is reassembling the raw salmon inside the cabbage. But... Um, Try it. <laughs> Sounds good. So you so you put the, the salmon in raw and wrap it in the cabbage and then cook the whole bit in court bouillon. You have to disassemble the cabbage leaf by leaf and poach it. Okay. And then you, you know, it's like holding a baseball. Right. And adding sam- strips of salmon and cabbage. Mm-hmm. And then you tie that all up in a cheesecloth. Great. And poach it. Yeah. And what? then when it's done... That, that sounds so good right now. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> well, it's, from, it's from the natural cuisine of Georges Blanc. Very good. And it is good any time of year. <laughs> so you, you say, do we know who Georges Blanc is? So my chef that I worked for uh, in Charleston when, at the beginning of my career, the first cookbook he ever gave me, and it's the second cookbook I've ever been given. The first one was by my father, given to me by my father, which was, of course, uh, Michel Gerard. Um, 
Marcelo, Marcelo gave me uh, George Blanc's book, and I, he and I just would sit there each night after service and just pour over that book. I mean, it was just such a beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, he is a great, great chef, and it's super cool that his son is, uh, you know, taking over and everything. So, have you ever had yeah. a chance to go there? I've been close to there, and mm. I, my dream is to go there. Yeah, you should. You should go. You should go. <laughs> I will uh, go. Have the famous. Yeah. Uh, have the famous frog legs. Oh, yeah, Tony. Oh, yes. awesome. Tony and I ate I'll there take years. Any <laughs> we Tony and I ate there years ago, and and chef was in the dining. Came out into the dining room. He signed a menu for us, and I treasure oh, that with ev- all my heart. And uh, yeah, we we had some very good frogs legs there. His famous dish. Well, if you ever want to make a trip to Kenneth Square, I will serve this to you. Okay, and you will be very happy. <laughs> That's very kind. Thank you so much, That's Deborah. Very kind, That's Deborah. super cool. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy your Have Sunday. a good Sunday. Bye bye. Well. That's awesome. That's, and, so, and you can give us a call, join the conversation, tell us what's the best thing you ever cooked. Sounds like these guys bank on these dishes so far. Mm-hmm. It's 410-662-8780 or email us, foremanwolf at wypr.org. And we'll be back shortly on Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today on WYPR, and you can join the conversation. We're talking about what's the best thing you ever made. So fun. Uh, so uh, give a call. Let <laughs> us know. 410-662-8780. All right, Tony, your turn. What, you you what never answered. The best? Yes, you I did. Never I told you directly. about the veal dish, and I told you sort of about the mushroom. You talk about a dish from 1995, <laughs> and, then, and then one... <laughs> Appetizer, an appetizer that's uh, purely something right. from else. No, I, I'll, I'll answer, yeah, but I just want to make sure that well, I just want to make sure things. the public knows that you avoided that question. <laughs> I have a lot of things I could answer. Well, that and, I you love know, dishes what, that I've made that I love. What I think of is what what listeners are doing, which is telling us, like I, I rely on making this dish. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is like I know this is going to be successful. Yeah, you know, for me, a lot of times that's pasta. Um, but it's other things as well. I mean, it's something as simple as <clears throat> now. It's funny. I'll make a blanc a little bit differently uh, from what you do because I'll use a little bit of vinegar in mine, and I'll make it a little bit sharper. Mm-hmm. And I love to when it's asparagus season. Right now, it's a very simple dish, but poach the asparagus in well salted water, just till the color is bright, and then. Literally pat that it's on a plate, and you and make a blanc with tarragon or tarragon and chervil, mm-hmm. but with a little more of an edge to it, and, yeah. and the asparagus can take that. That sounds good. And I've never served that, and it's not been. Oh yeah. People go bananas. Right. And you literally just sure. follow any classical, mm-hmm. blanc recipe. Uh, it's the, one the, of the best sauces. The, the better the butter, the better the sauce. Exactly. You really don't need that much. It's just enough to coat the spears. You l- literally just lay them out on a plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that. That is a simple and easy and happy classic. Um, it's difficult to talk about. Like there's anolini in Brodo, and anolini made with chicken. Anolini are shaped. Um, 
It's like a little flying saucer, you know? Yes. It's like okay. a ravioli on top <laughs> and on the bottom. Yeah, that's fine. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, or, or sort of a fat ravioli. But, but an annellini made with chicken properly uh, is all parts of the chicken, including some of the liver mm. and the heart. So good. And, uh, and you, don't, you need like one liver okay. for the entire, just to give it enough zing. And a little bit of grappa. Uh, in the for in the force meat for seasoning, mm-hmm. uh, plenty of black pepper, a little bit of clove, a little bit of mace, a uh, good bit of Parmigiano ricotta. Uh, if you if you have lardo, that's great. Okay. Uh, if not, then just use the fatty part from like prosciutto trim. Okay. And you you just grind the bejesus out of all of that. Do you do it in a food processor or in a food processor? Okay. Mm-hmm. Get it very smooth. Yeah. You want a smooth. You want a paste that's almost. Almost like Play-Doh. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's, it's that well, kind of texture. That what helps you to make the pasta itself. Because, yeah. you know, if it's loose, you're going to have a oh, little bit yeah, of a hard it, time. It, it, it can't be lumpy. It has to be like crazy smooth. Mm-hmm. So even when you think you've spawned it enough, take it out. Mm-hmm. Probably add a little bit more fat to it. Okay. And, and go back in there with it and, and get it as smooth mm-hmm. as it can possibly be. Because so, what you don't want is grainy on the inside. What you want is this little amazing dumpling, basically. Yes. That's, that's funny. You talked about making essentially dumplings, and mm-hmm. I'm so, talking about doing it. When, and when you when you lay out these pasta, you have to do it. It it is truly a hand shaped. It's not one where you can like just make a ring and cut it out. You have to cut out the rings so they're the same size. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a top and there is a bottom, so they have to be crazy thin. Yeah. And you have to make a little ball, basically. And it, it gets squashed a bit into that spaceship shape by laying the the second layer on top, the, the very thin layer, and then pinch it all. That's what I was finger okay. pinch so the you entire. Pinch you okay. finger pinch the entire thing. Oh, it's so fun to make pasta. All, all the way around, and mm-hmm. you definitely want egg pasta to make that. Okay. Because then all you need for that is brodo, mm. and that's just really good, really good white chicken stock, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and I always put fennel in that along with the mirepoix. <laughs> And when I make that, it just Fennel? makes it a little more oh, aromatic. Oh, that sounds so good. Just a little more aromatic. Okay. Well, you've had some of that yeah, stock. Yeah, 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 for sure. For and, sure, yes. And and then the annellini, you just, you, you get them warm in the salted water like you would any pasta. Okay. And they take seasoning in the salted water. And the brodo, you do season that as well. But once they're warm in that water, then you just slide them into the, the brodo. And, and, and you serve them, give them probably two minutes for the pasta itself to really take on the flavor of the of the the broth, and then you serve that in a wide soup plate. And if you have, you talk about chanterelles around. If you have morels around, just a couple mm-hmm. of little rings. Oh gosh! As an accent in there, or a little bit of wild asparagus, <laughs> or really fabulous chives. Okay. Those are all things that do incredibly well uh, in in that application. Sounds so, delicious. But yeah, those those two things, like very simple things that people have lost their mind about, th- those are things that I like to make. And everything else you know that I make that's that's good requires really high heat and will <laughs> set off the fire alarm in Cindy's house. <laughs> yes. Let's let's take some calls. Let's take Susan from Reistertown. Susan, how are you? Hi, Susan. Hey. Hi. Hi. Good afternoon. Um, I think one of the favorite things and most delicious things we make is kitchari, which is sort of like an Indian vegetarian stew. It's like Indian comfort food. 
And so the basis of it are split yellow mung beans and uh, basmati rice. And you can make it seasonally, which is really cool. So, like, let's say for this season you want to temper your spices in a high-heat oil, like ghee or coconut oil, and you would use, like, black mustard seeds, hing, fennel, coriander, cumin, um, a little onion, garlic, and ginger. And then you temper that, and then you add um, uh, split yellow mung beans and basmati rice and sort of mix that together so that the, the beans and rice get get the get that great flavor from the spice mixture, Mm -hmm. and then you just add water to it, and you bring it to a boil, and you let it simmer until all the water is dissolved, and then also for this season, for these hot days, garnishing it after it's all, after the water is cooked and the stew is ready, you can garnish with like lime, cilantro, coconut, um, shredded um, coconut, it's delicious. So in India, this is like considered a comfort food and it's kind of hard to find in restaurants, but in a lot of um, Indian health, like Ayurveda, um, we use kitchari as kind of like a healing and detoxifying food mm. and it's so delicious. Everyone loves it. Even kids love it. That sounds so, sounds like so good. a very happy thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you accompany it with any type of naan or anything to handle it or just that's... Um, well, I mean, if you were in India, you might or eating here like Indian with maybe chapati, but not with any extra fat on it or anything. So you could okay. you could pick it up with the chapati. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a real meal in itself because the, it's a complete protein with the with the um, mung beans and the rice. Yeah. So it feels so satisfying. Mm-hmm. You could stir in some greens at the end, like some mustard greens or kale or chard. You could just stir that into wilted at the very end to make it maybe a little bit more salad like. But otherwise, it's just so complete and so satisfying. You'll love it without having anything else with it. It's Sounds a main perfect. dish. Sounds perfect, Susan. It Thank you marvelous, so much Susan. for sharing that. Thank you. And the spice combination. Thank you for telling us about that. That's great. Sure. Have a good day. And you can join the conversation. Let us know what's the best thing that you cook. What's the, what's the best thing that you ever have made as far as people's response or what you think? 410-662-8780. 410-662-8780. Or email us, foremanwolf at wypr.org. And let's go to Holly in Bel Air. Holly, how are you? Hey, Holly. Fine. How are you? Good, thanks. Great. I just wanted to make a comment about my husband's um, eggplant. Hmm. Um, I'm Italian, and of course, there's so many different ways to do eggplant, including salting and all that kind of thing. I don't know what he does. He just cuts a beautiful plank of eggplant, puts it in egg, puts it in panko, and fries it perfectly. And you can just never get enough <laughs> of that wonderful crisp panko and that delectable eggplant inside. I don't care if it's hot, fresh from the pan, cold the next day, if, you, oh. if we even have any the next day. <laughs> it's just always divine. Always, always divine. Oh, that's, and that's so nice that you say that. That must make him feel really good that you are that excited about it. So that's wonderful, and it sounds delicious. Yes, and I can tell you, he can whip it up any time. That's great. It doesn't take him less than 20 minutes from start to finish. It's amazing. That's great. That's, so. That sounds like a good landing place for a poached egg, you know? Mm. Mm. Oh, just about anything. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Holly. That's great, Holly. Thanks. Thank you. Have a nice afternoon. You too. You too. Let's go to Roland in Upper Marlboro. Roland, how are you? Hey, Roland. Hi, how are you today? Good, thanks. Good. I would start off with my, what I always remember my mother made was, uh, she wasn't much of a cook, she was an opera singer and a concert pianist, but she made this 
beef stroganoff that I never had anywhere else because it was unusual. She put in uh, uh, tomato paste and Hungarian paprika, and she served over rice. I never heard of, of uh, stroganoff on, a, on noodles before until I became an adult, but I always had it over rice, and I still do that. Then uh, I spent 23 years in Europe, and I got an epiphany when I first went in the 70s to Aubert's de Lille and Alsace. And wow. Oh, oh that's awesome that you Paul, went there. <laughs> when Paul Haberlin was the was mm. chef, mm. And, and his salmon souffle was just amazing. His son is now the cook there, or the chef there, and he, he didn't do it as well as Paul did. And then at Trois Gros, I had uh, the salmon with the sorrel sauce. It was just amazing. That's fantastic. But uh, what I love to cook, and, and, and everybody way it raves about, is I take a boneless pork loin and I score the, the you know, crosshatch, the, the fat cap, and then do a dry rub on it and then and smoke it for about eight hours and bring it up to, to about medium. And then I, I make this sauce, and my nephew says he'd eat in a shoe sole with uh, <laughs> sm- applewood smoked bacon, uh, brown sugar, uh, chicken stock, uh, rosemary, uh, red currant jelly, hmm. uh, Dijon mustard, and demi-gloss, and just reduce that down until it's just almost like a syrup. That sounds absolutely amazing and uh i bet everyone asks you to make that all the time yeah unfortunately and then uh, <laughs> my, my, and my wife is always goes crazy over your your fried horse she gets it oh, every time she goes up there and thank goes you. crazy if it's not on the menu thank you very much i really thanks, appreciate Roland. that yeah thank you for sharing that that's thanks amazing for sharing that's and our... you, i can't believe you ate a tuaco uh, and uh and uh yeah oh, you 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 restaurants i was over there for 23 years wow you you ate at Aubergine de lille when it was probably the best restaurant in france yeah which i mean that i think it's a two-star but his son is not as good as his ball was no but that in in the 70s that was really the the consistency quality execution i mean that the reputation was crazy big at that time can i ask you why you were in europe for so long I was working for the military in, in Germany in Heidelberg for a while in Stuttgart. That's amazing. Very good. What a and then I always, always to go down the French PX in Baden-Baden and get the uh, the Magre duck breast, and, and everybody goes crazy over my Magre duck breast with a, a cherry demi sauce. Very good. Well, you're, you're a great cook. Thank you so thanks, much Roland. for sharing, Roland. Yep, thanks. Enjoy your Sunday. Thank uh, you. You too. And people always like, oh, oh I don't want me. German food, then... Like mm, yes, food in Alsace is some of the best food in France. One, absolutely, absolutely, and that's a whole lot more German food than it is French food. I mean, in, 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 culturally, he's so lucky to have eaten there when he did. That's and so and cool. that that corner, that corner of, of uh, Germany near Baden-Baden, that cooking is excellent. Also, there absolutely. are so many very like super charming like country hotels that have Gosh, really nice dining. Can we rooms just go? And, I just want to go. Everybody wants to travel. That's amazing. Great that's, experiences. Um, people, people are starting to. That's yeah, for sure. It's exciting. Good. So you can you can join us. You let us know the best thing you've ever cooked, um, mm. and how you make it, and what you drank with it, and, and and you know, sometimes it's fun to hear a flop. You can you can also <laughs> tell us if there's something that you co- were convinced was going to be great, mm-hmm. and maybe it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Did it ever happen to everyone? 
So when Tony. Did, when did it happen to you, Cindy? <laughs> I don't know. I knew you were going to ask me that. I'm sure we've talked about that before, Tony. That's old oh. news. Okay, so I have one more thing that uh, Roland was talking about, the oysters. So I won't mention those, but I think the day that I made the lobster soup the first time for Parker and you yeah. uh, was... That's probably one of the best things I've ever made in my life. And as one as an objective observer, yeah, I was going to tell you. I think yeah. that if that was not the best thing you ever made, it was probably the most important thing you ever made. Yeah, because you went to a different level of um, intensity, quality, um, perfectionism. Just just in making that one soup, just to, just in making that. Thank you. As well as it could be done. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, it it, it is. Um, it is a soup that I can take off the menu, nor do I care to take off the menu. I, I love making it. We all love making it, and um, it does require a lot of work, but it's um, something that's very proud of. So that's my real answer to your question. Good. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. That's legit. Okay. It only took you know, okay. almost 40 minutes. <laughs> Let's go to Larry in Pikesville. Larry, how are you? Hi, Larry. I'm good. How are you? Good. All righty. So- long-time, long-time home cook. Um, grew up in my mom's kitchen. Uh, Jewish kitchen, kosher kitchen, and I watched her make corned beef for many, many years. Uh, and I just came across something unbelievably on Instagram about taking the rind of a pineapple and putting it in water and reducing the water until you get all the juice out of the pineapple. And I thought, what an idea to use that water, that pineapple water, and put it in a pan with a corned beef and cook it in the pineapple juice with, and I make my own homemade pickling spice because the spices themselves were fresher than the package you get. And I put it in the oven at like 275 for about five or six hours. And I had guests over for on for my Passover Seder. And they, three of the 14 said it's the best corned beef uh-huh. they ever ate in their life. That's and great. I just attributed to this pineapple water. <laughs> That's awesome. What a fun idea, Larry. I love it. So what 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 is the best way to have that corned beef because everyone in the world thinks of having it as a sandwich. So, I mean, how do you prefer it? I sliced it uh 3/8 to a half inch thick and put it on the plate with uh, uh double stuffed potatoes mm. and uh, Yum. grilled vegetables. Uh, I don't even remember what else I had with because uh, I usually put out two entrees and and about three or four um, side dishes. One of them being uh, sautéed greens and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it was a pretty good complement to everything that was there. That's great. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Larry. Have Thanks. a good Sunday. All right. Enjoy your day. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Man, I love corned beef so much. Oh, me too. I, I could eat some right now. Sounds that's, good. Like that's it. knowing exactly the best place to go. Yeah, you do. You grew up here. You, you, you know. That's well. There, there are lots of places, but there's one best place to go. And. And. We, we can't take advertising on this program. Uh, well, you know thank that. God. Thank God they're still open. <laughs> <laughs> May they never close. But if you're nice to me from time to time, I might bring you a sandwich. Yeah. But we're going to have to take a break, so no sandwich for you right now. Mm. You can give us a ring, um, (laughs) 410-662-8780. Tell us the best thing you ever made, best thing you ever cooked. What do the audience love? 410-662-8780. And we'll be back shortly on Informative Wolf on Food & Wine on WIPR.
Welcome back to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today and we're talking about what's the best thing you ever made. Mm-hmm. Not the best thing you ever ate, though sometimes they're the same. <laughs> but what's the best thing you ever made yeah. for other people? For other people. And people are joining us on the phones, 410-662-8780. Some fun calls, making me hungry. Mm-hmm. The... the uh, Indian comfort food mm. business, guitar. Oh, I, I want to eat that right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, this show just makes me hungry. That's, well. That, That's the way it is. Talk about food. You, you want some. <laughs> so why don't we take some of those calls? Let's right. take uh, Ellen in Baltimore. Ellen, how are you? Hi, Ellen. I'm fine. I'm fine. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Very well. So what? What? what's your story? Well, I, I was helping with a fundraiser for my kids' school. They wanted people to have, a, like, a dinner party and the guests to, to uh, make a contribution to the school in, in the value of what they thought the dinner party was worth per person. So I wow. made a bouillabaisse and a made-a-heater chocolate cake for dessert. The rest of the menu was, you know, good enough. But the bouillabaisse, when I make that, I use um, lobster shells as the... Mm-hmm. Uh, as a base, I boil them up for hours and hours and then freeze it when I get a chance to make a bouillabaisse. I use that for the base. And um, that's always a huge hit. And the made a cheek heater chocolate cake, I took off work the day before to make the thing because it's so complicated and I'm not at all a professional cook. But it- That's a great effort. I mean, I'm sh- that was a lot of work. That's amazing. Good job and smart to use the uh, lobster shells. I bet you raised really, good money for the school. Mm-hmm. They never, they were, they were never kind enough to tell me. But I always, but they invited me back and asked me to use the same menu. Oh, what <laughs> a compliment! That's, great. That's a nice compliment. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. We Thanks, really appreciate Ellen. it. Good to talk with you. Have a good day. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to Tom in Newport, Delaware. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. So, Hi. what's the best thing Hi. you ever made? I did a, uh, for a medieval feast for 100 people, Ooh. I did a Cornish game hen with a apricot mead butter glaze. Mm. Let me back you up one second. <laughs> did you have a costume what, on? And, and, and one, did you have a costume? <laughs> Two, did everyone have a costume? And three, Ooh. why was there a medieval feast? Right. I want to go. What is it? <laughs> well, there, there are a lot of them around, um, mostly with the SCA. And uh, we regularly do feasts at um, events if there's a attorney or some sort of a uh, crown event or, oh, or okay, maybe cool. just a competition of, of various types. Yeah, send, and, uh, Cindy needs so, places to go with those outfits that she has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so I collect medieval and Renaissance cookbooks. Awesome. And um, I really wanted to encourage both of you to, to try to find some of them online because there are a lot of fantastic recipes, and this one I happen to find in an English cookbook from about the 14th century. Okay. And um, and so I scoured all the grocery stores for all the Cornish game hens that I could find. Good. And um, and then uh, put together the glaze, and um, so it it got a wonderful standing ovation. So. Well, oh, that's you. awesome. Good for you. That's super cool, Tom. I love the history. Yeah. Nice to get an ovation. <laughs> yeah. And the history well, is awesome. Another one I wanted to uh, quickly toss out to you was that I think I found the origin of the cranberry sauce 
for Turkey, and it was uh, founded, I think it was in a French um, cookbook from about the 15th century, and it was strawberry, red wine, and ginger, and it was a glaze for chicken. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that that may have been what inspired somebody to come up with the crazy idea of cranberry sauce and all right, cool. Well, that's that's so. good. That's, that's great, fun Tom. to hear. That sounds like an interesting passion. Thanks so much for the call. You bet. Thank you. Have a good Sunday. So and uh, yeah, we'd like to hear more about yeah. That's cool. What what's the best thing you ever made? Mm-hmm. That's uh, do you want a Cornish hen like that? I do right now, immediately. Yeah. Cindy's gonna eat everything. Yeah, I'm gonna eat it all. all um, let, let's talk to Mary in uh, Lewis, Delaware. Hey, Mary. Mary, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. Pumpkin pie, huh? Pumpkin pie from the pumpkin. It took my, my son, who is now 36 years old, when he was four, decided he did not want cake, that I would make a dozen cakes in a week. And he did not want cake for his birthday. He wanted pumpkin pie. His <laughs> birthday is the day after Halloween, so pumpkins <laughs> are plenty available. So I made... A, it took me a couple of years to finally figure out the way it works best. But what I do is to um, chop, cut up the pumpkin in big chunks and steam them more than boil them. Let them cool a little bit and then peel it from after they've been cooked like that. They just scoop right out of the rind. Okay. And then I puree it in the food processor and I portion it out in two cup portions. And then I freeze what I don't use then because I usually do like eight or ten pumpkins at a time because it's a lot of work. So I get it all done all at once, and then I've got pumpkin pie all year long. The only cans I use are evaporated milk. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's cool. It is absolutely delicious, and anybody who's ever had it at any Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything, I I am in charge of the pumpkin pie. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Any any seasoning secret for you? Um, you know, I just actually, I'll tell you, this recipe came from a Betty Crocker cookbook that I got when I got married in the 80s. And this one page, and I use the same recipe every single time, the page is so dirty and falling out of the book, and it's the best recipe. <laughs> and you, any kitchen you go into, you should find the dirtiest cookbook there is, because that's what <laughs> they use all the time. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. solid yeah. advice. Yeah, that sounds like my mom's, my mom got a Betty Crocker cookbook when she was married in 1950, and I, I it's the same thing. Those pages are, yeah. I know where to go. Oh, the sign is off. It's, it's completely, it's a mess. I can't find it. No table of contents. <laughs> mm, that's funny. Well, thank you that's so great. much, Mary, for sharing Thanks, that. Mary. That's a great idea. Thanks. Have a good Thanks day. For the opportunity. Thank you. Oh, this is cool stuff. Yeah, it's fun to hear what everybody has to so say. So what is, what is the next, and it's got to be a quick answer, off, off the cuff. Okay. What's the next great thing you're going to cook? Oh. The thing you haven't done yet, the, the thing that's percolating in your brain. Well. Because, I mean, you're, when, you're, when, you, when you cook, it's, it's, something is always there, right? I have like 80 things in Ex- my brain. Exactly. So, that's, so, yeah. so grab one. Okay, I'm grabbing one. Um <clears throat> So I really love uh, this product that I just started to get from a, a farm in Lancaster County, and it's a it's a baby chicken. It's called Poussin in French, and I swear, Tony, if you tasted this thing and you closed your eyes and I didn't tell you what you were having, you would think it was a baby squab. 
It is the best tasting, and not that there's that anything wrong. That just means wrong. it had a nice natural diet. Exactly. I mean, it is so good, and they come in head and feet on. I mean, they're just, it's a great product, and I really want to work with it um, further. I got it in for the first time last week, and I'm just blown away by this product, and so I really want to stuff it with, um, well, in the if it was wintertime, I would I would want to stuff it with something very hearty, like uh, uh, foie gras and truffle and a force meat probably made with a little bit of um, more chicken meat and um, maybe even a little bit of uh, ground pork into it. I think that would be super cool. But since it's summertime, I was really thinking about um, doing something lighter, uh, maybe using we can get baby leeks right now and some gorgeous Adelaide carrots from a local farm and things like that and doing some sort of sort of vegetable stuffing inside the bird and, you know, probably putting a little rosemary, maybe a tiny bit of thyme and just, you know, giving it a sort of a different uh, thought process than how I would normally do something. So that's, we, we're definitely, it sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. We are definitely wired differently. As soon as you said the poussin yes. and summertime, mm-hmm. my brain immediately went to spatchcocking it, uh-huh. giving a good seasoning, mm-hmm. grilling it, oh, yeah, getting it all nice. crispy on the outside, mm-hmm. and making it a little bit spicy like uh, uh, light, like fresh pickle, uh, asparagus fresh pickle mm-hmm. uh, recipe to go along with that, you know? Sounds good. Yeah, that's fun. So yeah. that's... Spatchcocking. I like saying that. Anyway, let's let's uh, sneak in another caller or two. Let's go to Paul in Baltimore. Paul, how are you? Hey, Paul. Good. How are you guys? Today? Good. Good. So, what's the best thing you ever made? So, well, so I, I won't say this is necessarily the best thing that I've ever made, but it is something I would love to make and is well received. Um, and I I refer to it as my seat of the pants <laughs> soup. Um, I love to cook, but I'm not a trained chef That's by right. any means. Um, so this is go to the farmer's market, buy the best produce that I can find, uh, which includes ro- vegetables to roast, beans, and then I go to a mercado in Island Town where they've got great uh, Mexican and Central American chorizos. Mm-hmm. And um, basically start, you know, with a stock, could be vegetable, chicken, um, add uh, bay leaves, some wine could be white or red, depending on the day, what's left over. Um, gar- lots of garlic, uh, saute some onions, throw in some carrots. And then in the background, I'm roasting vegetables, which ideally would be like fennel and um, leeks. And also um, one or two squash, so acorn or butternut squash. And then um, basically the soup's going, um, and I uh, take the roasted vegetables, which you know have been roasting for an hour, let's say, um, just you know olive oil, salt, and pepper on them, and they come nice and soft. Throw them into a blender, scoop out the uh, squash from the skin, throw it into a blender, and then uh, that blended roasted vegetable mixture gets thrown into the soup, which thickens it up. Uh, I might also, depending on kind of what I feel like, throw in some crushed tomatoes. Mm. Um, And then uh, eventually I also um, grill or or broil the uh, chorizo and then cut it up kind of just into rough pieces, Mm -hmm. throw that in. And depending on these, these chorizos are like amazing. Each one has a different flavor. 
and a different hotness. So depending on the heat, if it's one of the hot ones, I won't necessarily add anything else for heat. But if it's one of the less hot ones, I might throw in then some pepper uh, seeds um, and kind of you know taste it along the way and. Generally, it comes out amazingly. That sounds great, Paul. And I love the idea of the trezo in there to give it some spice. All those wonderful vegetables sound super healthy and fun and like you actually have a recipe going. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Actually, wait a minute. I forgot, I, I forgot the other, the main ingredient, the, the beans. So oh. I always get fresh beans at the market. And yeah, so it's really three things, roasted vegetables, beans, and trezo. Love it. Sounds and good. So, again, depending on, you know, Dixie beans, black eyed peas, whatever's good at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you serve this too so with those, something? Do you serve it with rice or? Um, usually just with a really good bread, toasted and you know okay. lightly buttered. That's great. Sounds good. Paul. So what do, what do you drink with this too? Oh, good red wine, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh-huh. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, red Zinfandel <laughs> or. Uh, mm-hmm. A red wine from Puglia, from Primitivo, or, or something along those lines. Salute, mm-hmm. Salentino. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul. I, I Appreciate it. Enjoy your day. Yeah. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Let's talk to Candace on the Eastern Shore. Candace, how are you? Hey, Candace. Well, good afternoon. It's a wonderful program, as always. But, Thank you. Um, I've always been somewhat Thank of you. an adventurous cook, and I wander down a, a long lane uh, making Peking duck. Mm. So it's five Candid, day process. I'm going to warn you, yes. you got about two minutes to talk about your five-day process because <laughs> we're going to have to end the program, okay? <laughs> okay. So Thank anyway, you. So I got tired of doing the breast margut and wasting the rest of the ducks. So I lined up stock pods. I get the big broth going. I made it, you know, you have to ladle it over these ducks for two or three hours. It was, break, it was breaking my arms, <laughs> but there were five ducks. Then the problem was you have to air them dry for three days. So I hung them. I had a massive pantry. Hung them in this pantry. Didn't warn my partner that this was going on. Put the fans on them for three days. And he went into the pantry and said, what on earth is this? And I said, well, you'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> so then the whole process with Peking duck is much more than the duck, as you know. It's the pancakes. It's the scallion fans. It's the meat that's served properly. And then it's the soup. So this, as I said, it was a five-day process. Um, and it won the hearts and cakes of many, but I have only repeated it once. So, that, but it was it was delicious. That is awesome. a serious adventure. Yeah, I, that's I have amazing. To say, You're brave, Candace. Having had really good Peking duck a couple of times, rosé champagne is the all-time thing to have with it. Well, the next time I do this, I will remember that, and if I forget, I Excellent. will call. Oh. You enjoy your Sunday, and thank, thank you, you for Candace. the call. That's awesome. Okay, thank you. Bye yeah. bye now. Oh, right. this this is great. If yeah, you want to follow fun. up with any more emails, email us Foreman Wolf. At wypr.org. Uh, it was great to get all the calls. Mm-hmm. Nice to hear from folks. Nice. We have so many good cooks in the region. Exactly. And all different cultures. And very different love it. cooks. Love yeah. it. Love no it. No question. So wonderful. And uh, if folks want to follow you on social media, what do they have to do? You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And. Oh, if you want to download any of the other episodes, go to the WIPR, WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there you'll see a full menu of goodies, and you can download any of the programs. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday.
Thank you. 